0: Jesus also said, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate I have come into me. So he distributed the assets to them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered uh, all he had and travelled to a distant country where he squandered his estate in foolish living. After he had spent everything, a severe famine struck that country and he had nothing Then he went to work for one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. He longed to eat his fill from the carrot pots the pigs were eating but no one would give him any. When he came to his senses he said How many of my father's hired hands have more than enough food and here I am dying of hunger. I'll get up, go to my father and say to him Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son Make me like one of your hired hands So he got up and went to his father But while the son was still a long way off His father saw him and was filled with compassion He ran, threw his arms around his neck and kissed him The son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight I'm no longer worthy to be called your son But the father told his slaves Quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then bring the fattened calf and slaughter it, and let's celebrate with a feast. Because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field. As he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he summoned one of the servants and asked what these meant. Your brother is here, he told him, and your father has sorted the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and didn't want to go in. So his father came out and pleaded with him. But he replied to his father, Look, I've been slaving many years for you, and I have never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, he has devoured your assets with prostitutes. You slaughtered the fattened calf for him. Son, he said to him, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found.
1: Well, good morning. Let me add my uh, welcome to you on this wet day. Well done for being here and um, uh, we've had some weather challenges the last few weeks, haven't we? <laughs> last week on Saturday night it was forty over 40 degrees in here, it was like a sauna and uh, today we've got these lots of drips up here, not here, all around here. That's, that's a dad joke. Um, For those who are new, um, special welcome to you and uh, thank you for coming here today in this weather. And uh, my name's Neil and it's great that uh, you're able to be here today. Let me pray. Lord, thanks so much that we can meet together in all kinds of weather, that uh, we can meet in your name and hear your voice and pray to you and sing your praises. Lord, we pray that you would speak to us today from this famous story that Jesus told that we would understand it, and that you would apply it deeply to our hearts and lives. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, here's the question that uh, I've got to start this morning. Can you cope with mercy? That might sound like a strange question to you, uh, because surely mercy is good, isn't it? What do you mean, how can I cope with it? Well, it does seem that as you read through the Bible, Jesus was showing mercy to a lot of people, but... There were other people, especially religious people, morally upright people, the kind of people who come to church like us, who couldn't cope with his mercy and who complained and grumbled and eventually they they put him to death. They hated Jesus because he showed mercy to people that they thought weren't worthy. You see, we like to think that people should get what they deserve, People who are good should be blessed by God, and people who are bad should be punished by God. And if you muck around with that, well, then that's going to uh, make us feel pretty unsettled. Let me give you two examples of this. Uh, First, I want to talk to you about this man, Bronson Blessington. He's the younger guy in that photo. And uh, you may not have heard of his name, or you may have long forgotten it. Uh, He has been in jail for 30 years. When he was only 14, he was homeless, and he got together with a group of other teenagers, and he abducted a young woman. And uh, he did unspeakable things to her. If I mention the young woman's name, you will know if you've uh, been around for a while. Janine Balding was at Sutherland Station. And the police arrested uh, five teenagers, and uh, one of them was this man, Bronson Blessington. What he did was evil, despicable, horrible, one of the worst crimes that uh, we are conscious of. At his trial, Bronson showed no remorse. He was seen to be just mucking around in the, in the stand. And uh, he was sentenced to life in prison. Actually, it was 25 years. But the judge said uh, he should have stamped on his file never to be released. And the state government changed the laws retrospectively so that he would never be released. And so he's in jail to this day. And most people would say, that's right. Good riddance to him. He deserves what he gets. But here's what happened. About two years after he started his sentence, the older man, who was much younger back then, 30 years ago, uh, was a youth worker. And he took a team of people into the prison or the juvenile detention center where he was being held at that time and uh, to, to tell the prisoners about Jesus and the forgiveness that God offers in Jesus. And Bronson was one of those who turned to God and his life was totally changed. He was no longer arrogant in thinking about his crime, but he became full of remorse for what he had done. He started to learn to read because he never had the opportunity or never disciplined himself. He'd hardly been in school to learn to read. But he taught himself to read by reading the Bible. And he started a Bible study amongst his fellow prisoners and sharing with them about Jesus. And it wasn't just a flash in the pan. He's been doing it for 30 years. He was someone who recognised the mercy of God available in Jesus Christ. And he grabbed hold of it. But here's the question. If that's true and God's promise is that anyone who turns to Jesus and trusts him can be forgiven, can come into God's family and enjoy the blessings of being adopted as his son and share in his eternal inheritance in the kingdom of God, is it fair that Bronson Blessington can be in heaven with those who've served him faithfully all their life and never done anything like he did? Some people would say that is hard to cope with. The family of Janine Balding don't think it's fair. The people who write opinion pieces in the paper about this don't think it's fair. And maybe it'll be understandable if you too struggled with that thought. It can be hard to cope with God's mercy, especially in cases like that. But another example, much less extreme than that, much closer to home, especially for me. My wife's father, Maria's husband, died last year. Uh, Many of you met him. Dominic, he was here with us for a time. And he was generally a good man, like most of us. And he also, like most of us, knew that he wasn't perfect, He knew his own sin before God and he felt that he wasn't worthy of being accepted by God. As he lay in his hospital bed, I had the opportunity to talk to him about God's mercy shown to the thief on the cross. Remember when Jesus was crucified, there was another two criminals crucified with him. And at the point of death, one of them reached out to Jesus and said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus gave him a wonderful word of assurance. I tell you the truth, today you'll be with me in paradise. He found forgiveness right at the end of his life. And so I urged Dominic to surrender his life to Jesus like that criminal did. And he too could be forgiven. And he wanted that, he really did. But he said to me, There's a problem, I can't do it. I said, What's the problem? He said, the problem is that it wouldn't be right because I don't deserve to be forgiven. How can I, who've resisted God for 90 years of my life, suddenly turn back to him now and expect that he'll accept me and treat me the same as someone who's served him all of their life faithfully? Do you see the way of thinking? He said, it's not fair that God would do that. You see, he was so committed to the mindset of we get what we deserve that he couldn't cope with mercy, even for himself. What about you? I want to ask you this morning can you cope with mercy? Mercy for yourself, mercy to others. If we want to know God, the God who is there, and relate to him rightly, the God that Jesus came and revealed to us, then this is something that we must come to terms with because God is a God of deep mercy. The heart of God is God's is a heart for lost people. And this famous story screams that out to us, doesn't it? God's heart for the lost. Uh, we, as uh, Josh said before, we started looking at this last week and we're we're working our way through Luke's Gospel, and we're going to spend two weeks on each chapter. And last week, we focused on the very centre and main point of this reading today, and that is about the character of God and what he is like. And if you were here last week, you'll remember that we saw that God, uh, as he saw his young, rebellious son who'd gone away and blown the family, his share of the family fortune, he comes home, and, and what, was, what was his reaction? What was his reaction? The father saw him a long way off. And did he go out and say, what a hide you've got to come home? Did he say, you've got some conditions to meet if you're going to come here? No, he didn't. He ran to him. He had compassion on him. He ran to him. He embraced him. He kissed him. He gave him the rights of a son, put the robe on him and the ring and the sandals. And he killed the fattened calf had a big party and celebrated his return. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it, of the God who is there. That's what God is like. He's a God full of mercy who loves to welcome home lost people. And it may be, as last week, I encouraged anyone who was like this son who's wandered off from God to a distant country. Maybe you are in as much trouble in your life as he was. Maybe you're not. But we heard the encouragement to come home. And maybe you're here today, and I repeat that for you. This is a wonderful story, this story of the young son who was lost, but came home and found the mercy of God and was found. But the interesting thing about this story is it wasn't only the younger son who was lost, because there was also another son, the older son, the older brother of the young son. And uh, we added the the last bit uh, about him today. And so we're actually going to be thinking about two lost sons today, because um, there are in fact two lost sons. You see, I think actually uh, there's a problem in the, um, uh, the, the naming of this story. We often call it, don't we, the, the parable of the prodigal son, you know, the prodigal, the one who went away and came back, and certainly he's there. My Bible's got a heading, the parable of the lost son. And I think that whoever put that in there had in mind the younger brother. But I think that's a bad name, isn't it? We should call it the parable of the merciful father who seeks the lost and celebrates when they're found. Or maybe even the parable of the lost son, we shouldn't think of the younger son because at the end of the story, he's found. We should be thinking of the older son because if God and his mercy is at the center and the main point of this parable, the punchline comes at the end. To people who might identify with the older brother, people who generally live a good life and do the right thing, people like us. Jesus told this story for religious people, and we're religious people. And so, at the very least, we should call it the parable of the lost sons rather than the lost son. But as we come to look at the older brother, I just want to say two other quick things to... um, Recap a little bit from last week. First, it's, it's really important if we're going to get this story of Jesus to understand the situation because at the very beginning of the chapter, uh, this is what happened. Luke tells us that the tax collectors and sinners, now these were, this is a way of talking about the really bad people in society in that time. Uh, the people that were perceived by the good people as being corrupt and immoral and a long way from God. People like the younger son, right? And uh, Jesus, though, was being like the Father. He was going to them and talking to them and inviting them to come and follow him and receive forgiveness and mercy. He was eating with them, which was a sign of his befriending of them and welcoming them. And some of them were actually turning away from their old life and starting, like Bronson Blessington, to follow Jesus. And you would think that the religious people would say, praise God, what a wonderful thing. But they were complaining. They were grumbling. How dare Jesus? Doesn't he know who he's eating with? He shouldn't be with those scum. You see, the Pharisees and the scribes were self-righteous. They thought, we're the religious people. We're the people on the inside track. We're the good people. We don't have anything to do with those people. And so Jesus tells this story. So can you see why the older brother is so important in the story? Because he's speaking to people who are like the older brother, who can't cope with God's mercy. In the story, the younger brother represents the, the tax collectors and the sinners. The father represents God who seeks them and saves them and forgives them. And the older brother represents the Pharisees and the scribes who, who were complaining and having this attitude towards God's mercy. So it's really important to get that under our belt as we come to look at these two lost sons. I'm not going to say much about the younger brother. We've uh, kind of covered him fairly well, but I do want to dig a little bit deeper for a moment to see the nature of uh, his problem. Uh, Obviously, he went and got himself into trouble. He was starving. He was broke. He was desperate. He had to come home. That's pretty obvious. Uh, He hadn't honored his father. But there's something deeper going on here. You see, this is, a, this is a picture of humanity and the way that we treat God. You see, this son wanted what the father had to give him, his share of the inheritance. He wanted the wealth, but he didn't want to be with the father, did he? He wanted to take from the father what he could and go off as far away as he could from the father and just live for himself, live it up, spend the family inheritance, and he blew it on himself. And that's what we do with God, isn't it? We want the blessings that God gives to us, the life he gives, the experiences, the relationships, the beautiful world that we live in. But often we don't want God. And so we go off to a far country and just live for ourselves, enjoying the good gifts, but having no relationship with the giver. Do you see what this young son is like? But he did have the good sense, didn't he? To realise, oh, this is not working. If I go home to my father, maybe he'll take me on. Maybe he'll take me back as one of his workers. And so he gets up and goes home and he gets a great surprise. That the father is far more generous even than he thought. He relied on the father's mercy, otherwise he wouldn't have gone back home. But when he got there, the father blessed him and embraced him and gave him back the rights of a son. That's what God is like when you come home if you've been far away. And there is great joy in this story and there is great joy in heaven when one sinner, one young son or daughter comes home like that. But the older brother didn't see it that way. He didn't get God. The religious leaders, the scribes, the Pharisees, they didn't get it that Jesus was out there with the, the corrupt and the immoral and the people a long way from God. They didn't get it. They thought he was making a mistake. So what do we know about this older brother? Well, the younger brother wanted to be wild and free, but the older brother, as is often the case, being an older brother myself in my family, was the responsible one. Maybe you're an older brother. Maybe we, I think we can relate to this guy, can't we? Someone, if you are an older brother, that is, someone who always does the right thing, someone who's good, someone who works really hard, and, uh, and we feel like we deserve something from whoever it is we're trying to please. Because we're so good and responsible. Uh, you see, this uh, older brother, when we first meet him, where is he? Have a look in your, uh, in your, in your Bible there. Where is he when uh, we first meet him? Verse 25, there's a hint for you. Now, the older son was in the field. That's where an older, responsible son would be, out working in the fields, serving the father. That's where he is. And uh, he's he's very different to the younger brother and the other when the younger brother comes home he is angry he comes in i don't know whether this uh servant knew what uh how the younger older brother would react but he asks, what's all this music going on and the servant has to uh, tell him actually that kind of younger brother that you despise he's home and guess what the father's thrown a big party and killed a fattened calf and there's a great celebration maybe he did that with fear and trembling i don't know maybe he shared the anger of we don't know how he said it but i think that would have been tricky for him but the older brother verse 28 became angry and didn't want to go in he's like a little toddler uh, standing outside refusing to go in because he's angry and uh he can't cope with the mercy that his father has shown to his younger brother and so he protests in verses uh, 29 to 30. He really lets the father have it with both barrels. Uh, verse 29, he replied to his father, Look, I've been slaving many years for you. Notice the choice of word, slaving. I've been working hard, but he kind of sees that it's been a, a duty, a drudgery, something that he feels that he's had to do. Not a, not a joy, He's not doing it out of love for the Father and, uh, and joyfully serving him. He's, he feels like he, he has to do this. Look, I've been slaving many years for you, and I have never disobeyed your orders. Really? I don't think this guy's been to the conflict resolution classes they have when you're doing marriage preparation. You know, don't use always or never, uh, because, uh, you know, but he uses it twice. I've never disobeyed your orders and yet you never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Notice uh, the self-focus. I have been slaving. You never gave me so I could celebrate with my friends. You see, this is the character of this older brother. And then he goes on. When this son of yours... He can't even bring himself to say, when my brother... See, he's disowning this brother. When this son of yours came... He's separating himself from the father as well, isn't he? When this son of yours came who has devoured your assets with prostitutes we didn't read about that before it feels like he's kind of made that up you slaughtered the fattened calf for him. You, you've put on this massive party for him. Do you get a feel for this older brother and how he, he, uh, he works on the basis of, of what we deserve? He can't cope with God's mercy to his younger brother. See, instead of loving the father and joyfully serving him, he's, uh, he sees himself as a slave. In fact, he seems to think that the father owes him something. I've been slaving, therefore you should celebrate with me like you're celebrating the younger brother. It's not fair, God, that you're rejoicing over this young brother who's come home. And I think this is really close to the bone for us, isn't it? Because I think we can feel the weight of this older brother. Uh, At an event that we had here, I think it was last year or the year before, I think Leah was speaking, it was a women's event, and one of my wife Sandra's friends came along, and it was this passage that was spoken on, and she went home angry. Because she can identify with this old, she's a really good person. Uh, Someone who would see herself as a believer in God, I don't think she follows Jesus, but she's a believer in God and she's a really good person, very kind and generous and does all kinds of good things, but she couldn't cope with God's mercy and this is close to the bone for us. You see, being good is very good. God wants us to be good, but not if it leads us to becoming self-righteous, to thinking that somehow or other I earn God's generosity to me because I've lived this certain life that is not Christianity Jesus came not to be served but to serve us and to give his life as a ransom for many that's how we are accepted by God through Jesus and his death not by our good works and our efforts and our slaving and our coming to church in the rain and our being on rosters and our leading a Bible study and all the good things that we do They're great things to do. Keep doing them. But make sure you don't trust in them. Or think that somehow God owes you. Sometimes we do that, don't we? If something bad or really hard happens to us, we sometimes think, why God? Why is this happening to me when I've served you so faithfully? Do you see how that's the older brother talking there? Why is those people out there who don't even know God or do anything with him, why are they blessed with the big houses and the big cars and the happy life and all of that? Whereas I've got these struggles. You see how that is not coping with God's mercy to them? That's why this older brother is such a warning for us who are on the inside of the church. at the end of the story, where is the older brother? Well, he's always been at home, and on the outside it looks like he's faithfully serving the father and everything, but as we've seen, he ends up at the end outside the house. The younger brother, who's the one who's inside, with the father, dancing, celebrating, but the older brother is outside, fuming. And so he's actually the one who turns out to be lost at the end. The one who looks impressive, but doesn't know God. So, how does God respond to this older brother? Well, just like he does for the younger brother who was lost. The father seeks the older brother. He pleads with him to come inside. Verse 28. uh, His father, when he knew that the son was outside angry, so his father came out and pleaded with him. Son, come back inside and celebrate. You see it in verse 31. The first word there is a very intimate, personal word. It's, uh, it's the word child. Dear child, he said to him, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. The older brother shouted, never, never. But the father whispers to the son, always, everything. That's beautiful, isn't it? This is the heart of the father being held and the the hands of the father being held out to his older lost son. You are always with me. Sometimes we in the church, especially those of us who've grown up in a Christian family, maybe went to a Christian school and uh, this is all we've known, sometimes we can feel like we're a little bit ripped off because we haven't got a gutter to the glory testimony like Bronson Blessington or this younger son or something. We wonder, you know, Am I a fair income Christian if I haven't got that story? Well, the first part of this verse, I think, is a great encouragement to us. It is a wonderful privilege to grow up in the house of God. To have God with you. Uh, You've got to work out what you're going to do with that. You could become self-righteous like the older brother and look down your nose at others and resent God's mercy to others. That would be a problem. But it is a great privilege and blessing to hang around in the church. So hearing the word of God and benefiting from the love and fellowship of his people, what a blessing that is. And this was the privilege that the older brother had that he's forgotten. The other privilege is there too. Everything I have is yours. He was complaining that he didn't get a fattened calf killed for him like the other brother did. But the father says, what are you talking about? The whole estate is yours. And that's how it is for us as Christians, isn't it? God is the one who gives us all life, breath and everything else. There's nothing that you have or I have in this world that hasn't been given to you generously by God. Do you enjoy life out in the world? Do you enjoy a hobby? Do you enjoy relationships? Is there anything in your world that you enjoy? Where's it come from? From the generous hand of God. If you forget that, then you could end up like the younger son who receives what he gets from God and goes off and just ignores God. Or the other danger is to be like the older son, who just enjoys that along the way, but still complains about the things he hasn't got. But the father reminds him, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. And then he says, but we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Here is the heart of the father and he's inviting the older brother to share it with him. What will he do? What will the older brother do? It's interesting, Jesus, the master storyteller, doesn't tell us what happens in the end, does he? Do you find that frustrating? Wouldn't you like to know? Well, actually, Jesus knew better than us because by finishing it like this, I think he's presenting to his first hearers, in particular, the scribes and the Pharisees, a challenge. You are the older brother. What are you going to do? Are you going to come and rejoice? That the lost are being found? Or are you going to keep complaining and grumbling like the older brother? Will you share the heart of God? But Jesus also says it not just to them, but to us. Because this has been written down and read out today and down the centuries, right down to us. And so God says to us today, Are you going to be the older brother? If you like the older brother, if you see anything of this in you, are you going to turn from that and share the heart of the father? This, question, this passage is really asking whether God's heart is in us. This is the challenge for us today. And it's so easy for us, isn't it, to be like the older brother. Because the better we are, the more... It's tempting for us to rely on ourselves and to be self-righteous and to be proud and to, to look down on others, to despise them and to resent their coming to God. And that is a long way from the heart of God. If you see that in your heart today, then I want to urge you to do what the younger brother did, to come home, to come inside and join the celebration with the father. But how can we actually do that? If we want to live like the the way that we should, not like this older brother, what do we do? Well, let me just finish with a couple of suggestions about how to avoid the older brother syndrome. Uh, The first one is to keep counting your blessings. Everything that I have is yours. Instead of counting the things you're missing out on, keep deliberately, intentionally cultivating a heart of gratitude to God the blessings that he has given you. Maybe you can write them down and each day thank him for them. That'll help to stop you becoming an older brother. Another one is to cultivate a sense of humility before God. To remember that even as good as you are you can only be accepted by God through the cross of Jesus. See my father-in-law felt that it wasn't right to come back to God and receive forgiveness because he hadn't deserved it. Others would say, how can Bronson Blessington be forgiven because he did such a bad thing? Well, the answer is that as he told this story, Jesus was on his way to the cross, wasn't he? To pay the price for the sins of Bronson Blessington and Dominic Delvecchio and me and you and everyone. Everyone. Instead of having stamped on the the file never to be released, God stamps on the file of anyone who comes to Him, paid in full. Because Jesus paid the price. Isn't that wonderful? But we need to keep coming back there so that we remember that, lest we trust in our own goodness and think that God owes us something, or despair in our own badness and think that there's no hope for us. They're both mistakes, aren't they? we can come to the cross and see God's mercy poured out, flowing generously to us and come home and receive it. And I think the final tip for how to avoid being an older brother is to deliberately cultivate the kind of heart that wants to see others who are (coughs) lost to be found. To actually be, I think a good way to do this is to be praying for people around you who are lost. If you are praying for them on a daily basis like uh, Steve and Judy have been praying for 50 years for Steve's sisters that's going to cultivate a heart for the lost isn't it it's going to keep reminding you that Jesus came to seek and save the lost and we as his people are involved in that mission with him And the more that we get involved in praying and actively doing that the less we'll be like the older brother Because we will rejoice when our prayers are answered, won't we? We'll share the heart of God who came to seek and save the lost. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this powerful story that Jesus told that speaks to us on so many different levels. Lord, here today there may be some who are like the younger brother and who are conscious that they are still distant from you. Lord, please help these people to see your mercy and to trust you and come home. There may be some here who are like the older brother, who are good people, religious people, morally upright, but whose hearts are far from you, who look and rely on our works instead of your mercy. Lord, please draw these people, to come inside and join the celebration. And for those of us, Lord, who do trust in you and your mercy, but see elements of either son, perhaps rebellion, perhaps uh, self-righteousness, if we see these younger or older brother symptoms in ourselves, help us to turn back to you. Help us to love what you love, seeing the lost, be found. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.